Wow, you guys could just keep on going. Wow. Yes, I realize I have my computer with me. <clears throat> You'll be glad, though. Thank you guys so much. Wow. God is with us, that's for sure. So as I've been praying about what to, what God wants to do today, um, I can I, I remained in the same scripture, but he, he's he's changed things, and and I've just learned I'm okay with that because anything that I try to do is going to be just fail city because anytime I've tried to do it in my own life, that's usually what happens. Um, even when I think that it works out, it's still if it's not His will, then it's still fail. So. Um, as I prayed about it, and even, even last night, he was changing some things, and I had my notes, and I, I usually, uh, uh, when the Lord speaks to me, whatever it is, no matter how random it is, or it seems at the time, I usually write it down, and I, I journal stuff, um, and write stuff down, um, not a diary, a journal, because I'm a man, and so I'll jot stuff down, and so I'll have like this scribble of notes that like, really, I kind of can't even read sometimes, because you know when you're excited about something, or if somebody's giving you too much information at a time, you're just like, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you can't get it down fast enough. Those of you in school, well, we've all been in school. Um, no, like when you take notes and a teacher's just really fast about stuff, a lot of information's coming and you write it down so fast. And when you go back to your notes, you're like, I need a translator because I cannot read these. They're like Egyptian hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics? Griffics? I don't know what it is. Did I say it right the first time? Yes. Okay. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of what happened in this situation. It happens so constantly. And then I'll go through and I'll be like, what I can decipher, you know, with code, I will transfer into another book and then I'll, I'll write that stuff down. And then I'm like, oh, this would be good. And, I'll, and then I start ruining that one. And I'm like, last night it was like, I think I came in and Brooke was out and it was like 1130 or something like that. And I was like, I just, I just transferred it onto my computer. And I was like, I'm just going to take my Mac up there and just go through it like that because I'm glad that he changed things and all that. But and so if you're wondering with this, so as I prayed about this, um, I feel like one word kept coming to mind and it was authentic. Um, and a lot of people say it in different ways. Um, some generations it's, you know, kind of the saying that kind of goes along with being real is like being real or, uh, I guess nowadays it's like keeping it 100. Is that kind of the same thing? Am I right? Maggie, you're just being mean, shaking your head. No, keeping it 100. Does that mean being real now? Okay, I can't keep up with stuff. That's like the only saying that I've seen that has like grown. Have you noticed that every saying has like shrink, has shrank, shrinkened, shrank? Because like I think about it with baby. So like it seems like back in the day, I know I can't speak. I apologize for that. Lord help me. So back in the day, it seemed like when you were talked about, you know, you talked about your girl, it was like baby, you know, you said baby. And then it was your babe. See how it shortened? And now it's bae. Like, it, it just seems like, I don't know if it's a progressive movement of laziness because we can't actually say a complete word. All the older people, yeah, that's it. The younger people, no, we're just cooler than you. So there's a conflict there. But it seems like everything kind of has shortened. So I don't know what it's going to be next. Just buh, you know, <laughs> baby, babe, bay, and buh. B, just B. Oh, that's what I call my wife because her name is Brooke. I call her B. That's our, my term of endearment for her. Aww. Oh, that's so sweet. So as I thought about fake and authentic, I thought about counterfeit money of all things came to mind. And so, yeah, 
Listen, I don't, I don't know anything about counterfeit money. So let's just put that disclaimer out there. So as I researched, I found just, I'm sure this is a real credible resource, but I read this article from Reader's Digest. Is that credible? Do people still read Reader's Digest? Okay, so it's not an old thing. It's, a, it's still happening. Okay, so I read this article on Reader's Digest. that was 10 ways to spot a fake bill. And I actually happen to have, I think the biggest bill I have is a dollar, but... Um, that's what my wife, I have a $5 bill. She doesn't know that or it wouldn't be in my wallet. So, so it was all these different things. And I was like, it is hard to spot a fake. And some of you that are um, in finances maybe, or um, in the bank industry um, or deal with money all the time, um, you might know how to spot a fake and it might, you're probably going, actually, it's easier than you think, Pastor Sean. See, I know nothing about this. That's why I had to read Reader's Digest because they know everything. So, um, it was like 10 ways to spot a fake. And it was like, some of them seemed pretty easy, but some of them were kind of complicated. Like it was like a few things were like one, the first thing was like, get a feel for it. And I'm like, I don't, is there a big difference on feeling money? Cause they say like a fake is like a glossy smooth and like paper money's a little rougher cause it's got the cloth fibers in it or something like that. I'm totally botching this. Um, and it says, or look at the color. I'm like, well, I would be fooled so easily. I would, I would have no idea. And then it was like, test the color changing sections. There's color changing sections. Like I've seen like down maybe in a spot where it looks like the color changes if you move it. Cause it says to do that. You turn it at a 45 degree angle and it changes color like in one of the corners, but it says sections plural. I'm like, I don't, it is so hard to spot a fake. Um, the biggest thing was on there that I was like, well, I could do this is hold it up to the light. Right. And it's got that strip in it. And I think a watermark too shows up or something like that. I don't know. This is probably really boring to you guys, but my point is it's really hard to spot a fake. Um, not only just with money, with bills, but also in people, right? It is so hard to spot a fake person. Like Sometimes it's easy. I'm not saying all the time. I'm just saying sometimes it's really hard. We live in this day where social media is just like taken over. And like, so on social media, as my wife calls it, the highlight reel, um, you definitely get to see what people want you to see about their life, right? It's like all the best moments. You never really see like the real moments. Like Brooke posted uh, yesterday about um, poor Brax was just, did anybody see the post about Brax just broken, crying at the soccer field? That's real life. That's, it was really cold. He was really upset and he was just broken. It's like the saddest picture ever seen before. Like it was terrible, but that's real life. So, so anyway, social media, um, we have this platform with technology where we can make things look how we want them to look even when it's not how it really looks. Um, it happens on magazines too. Uh, for those of you women that get um, all the girly women magazines, I don't even know what they are. But like on the cover of them, it's always like the models and the people in it look perfect. Like their skin, there's no blemishes, there's no anything. Well, that's all done with technology. Like you can change the skin tone in it before you even print it. You can take away the blemishes. You can make it look, you could change the color of their hair. There's apps for that. There's an app for everything. There's an app for that. Whatever you can think of, there's an app for it. But you can actually take a picture of yourself. You could change the color of your hair. You can, I don't even know what's real anymore. Do you guys know what I mean? Like everything just seems not all so fake, but just, I don't know what's real anymore. 
Like it's so confusing to me, the filters you can put on stuff to, to change things. And, and it's cool, like artsy and stuff like that. And that's all I'm saying. I'm just talking about how people will use it to completely abandon the way that they really are. And so, and real life looks too, like there's plastic surgery, right? Oh, I don't like the way that my nose looks, or I don't, I don't like the way that this looks. You can have plastic surgery. You can fix that. There's probably an app for that too. No, I don't know. But there's so many different ways that people can change the way that they look and they will absolutely lose sight and even abandon the way that they really are for the approval of others or for the appearance of being successful, right? People spend way too much money that they don't have to buy cars or trucks that they don't need, house that they don't need, uh, clothes. They will absolutely spend a ridiculous amount of money on their hair, on tattoos, on piercings, just, just anything that they can do to look like something that they're not for whatever reason that is. We all know, because listen, I've been there. I've done that. I've got the tattoos. I've, I've tried to be something that I'm not. I've been fake a lot of my life, a lot of my life, more than I'd like to share. It's so hard to know what's real about people anymore. It's even when you turn on TV, I think about the news. So like, honestly, when I turn, like, I'm just always honest, but well, I don't need to apologize for that. But I mean, honestly, like when I turn on the news or the TV, like, I don't really know what's happening. I mean, I'm just hearing it from a news source from a media source. So I don't really, I'm not saying that not, there's not things that are true that happen that the news shares. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I don't really, I mean, I'm just, let's just be honest. There's agendas that are pushed with media, right? For sure. If you don't believe me, turn on your TV and you will have a rude awakening if you haven't. Um, that's why we don't usually watch things um, or watch TV. So, um, even with politics, you know, agendas are being pushed. I don't even know what's real. You know, you hear from somebody that says, this is exactly what I want to do. This is my heart in this. And their actions don't really reflect it. So I'm like, I don't, it's conflicting. So my thing is, is we don't even know what's real. So what is an important truth? What, what, what is a real truth? What, how can we even know? I mean, there, it's so confusing with the people that we even live with. Like, you know, that we even go to church with, even in this body of believers, sometimes it's, you know, it's just kind of a face-to-face thing. Like when you see them in church, you think that they care about you, but what are they saying behind your back? I'm not saying that it's, I'm just saying it's everywhere. Where people are, where relationships are, this is the kind of stuff that happens. So how can we know what's true? How can we know what's authentic? And this is going to be what, what God is going to continue to speak to us about this morning is about being authentic. And we're going to discuss a couple of different ways that he's going to lead us through, I pray. Um, So how can we know what's authentically true? Well, truth cannot be defined apart from the author of truth. Truth cannot be defined apart from the author of truth. So we have to start with that, with the author of truth, with the creator of truth, right? The word says that Jesus is the way, the truth, not a truth, not a partial truth, not what someone says to your face, but does something different behind your back. The truth, the ultimate authority, the truth and the life. So anything outside of that truth is not real truth 
because truth needs to be based on Jesus and all of his promises. In order to know truth, you got to know Jesus. When you know Jesus, you know the truth, the ultimate truth. One huge aspect of this Christian life is, is that it's not just believing in God, it's believing God, which is why when we had our prayer time this morning, that's exactly how God, listen, you can believe in God, but believing God that comes with that sets you into a different, a completely different relationship with him. Okay. And when I say believing God, it means taking him at his word, taking him for face value, believing what he says is true. Not just being in that spot. And maybe some of you are in that place where, well, I believe, I believe in God. I do believe in God, but I'm not sure because my circumstances and things don't look the way that I want them to look. So how can we know this truth? How can we know this truth of Jesus? How can we believe God and take him at his word? We're going to turn to the truth right now. We're going to turn to the word of God this morning to define to us and speak to us. Listen, I just want the posture of our hearts this morning for all of us. I need this so much. We all should have a desperate need for this. I want the posture of our hearts as we go into the word of God, the infallible word of God, the ultimate truth to just be, just be open to say, God, what would you speak truth today? What, what would be a truth you would speak into my heart today? No matter the cost, no matter how it makes you feel. God, how would you speak truth into me today through the power of your word? Let that be the posture of your heart. Ask God that. So we're going to read from the book of Acts this morning. And this is Acts chapter two. If you have your Bible, um, Acts chapter two, I'm going to re- be reading from verse 42 through 47 and we will have it um, up on the screen. If you have your Bible, please, please turn to it. Before I read this, I want to explain this time frame. Um, it's so, it's so perfect for this morning. So in Acts chapter two, if, if you haven't read before, um, I encourage you to read Acts chapter two. The beginning of Acts chapter two is when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. So this Holy Spirit movement comes in and changes the life of, of this community. And then God uses this community to go and speak to the crowds and, and Peter addresses the crowd. And it's like, woo, like the Holy Spirit came, like this just happened. Like things are changing. Like, like there is a different way to live your life. Like preaches the gospel. I mean, like a boss, like no way that I could do it. And he addresses this crowd and like through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit came then the teaching and the preaching of the word. And then came thousands that were added to the Lamb's book of life that day. Thousands that were added to the kingdom. So that's the process. It's not really complicated. Holy Spirit comes, we share, people get saved. And then the very next priority, which I found very interesting, but it's highly important in God's mind to show us this is that after that process, the very next thing was the fellowship of the believers. 
And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to breaking bread and and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it's the fellowship of the believers. So listen, as we talk about authentic, God calls us and makes it a priority after the Holy Spirit comes to have authentic community. What I mean by authentic community is that when we read in here and it says that they had everything in common, well, if you're fake with one another, you're not gonna know what you have in common with them, right? Even if you say that, it's because they were authentic. They were real to one another. They were honest. And when that happens, we share our struggles and we realize that we have common struggles. We deal with the same things and there is power and freedom that comes from that. That's why the word says where the freedom comes from. And and I think it's so important. We have to have the blood of the lamb, but then what follows? The word of our testimonies, right? So as we share and we're real with one another and we're vulnerable and we're open about our struggles and we realize other people have that in common, it creates this community that is the fellowship of the believers that God is speaking to us about in the book of Acts right here. It's about doing life together, being real with one another. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. If we're not real with one another, we can't carry each other's burdens, right? It takes time to build an authentic community. In verse 44, the passage says, Yes, that they had all things in common. And so as they grew and as they knew one one another, that that authentic community began to have a foundation of truth about what's going on in your life, what's going on in your life. And, you know, sometimes I think as the church, we focus so much on, you know, uh, uh, classes and and, and different um, groups and different Bible studies. And those things are great. They're so great because I learned so much and I don't know anything. So I'm just trying to learn. And you guys know a lot of stuff. So as we learn, those are wonderful things. But what I see is a really important priority that I don't read about classes or or video studies or anything like that is just doing life together. It's just meeting with one another. It's just being honest with one another about what's going on in your life because the enemy is real. Listen, and he wants to isolate us. He wants to absolutely keep us away from one another. We need authentic community. Being real with one another creates an environment that allows God's word to grow. You're like, okay, well, how did you get to that? There's parallel passages in Luke and Mark that happened around the same time frame. In Luke, it was chapter eight, and Mark, it was chapter four. And this, this was a parable that Jesus taught about, about the parable of the sower. Many of you might know this, but I will paraphrase. Both of them, Jesus taught in parables. And so often we see that a lot of times it was agricultural parables because it was an agricultural society, right? So it would be more understood for him to teach that way. So he taught this parable about the sower and he, he, he spoke about the seed and he said, basically he's saying the seed is the word of God. 
So the seed's good, right? The seed's real good. That's the word of God. Okay. And then it says the farmer scattered them. Some fell among the thorns. Some fell among the rocks. And so as I read that, I was like, I don't, how does this come with community? Hey, the word of God fell. So the rocks and the thorns are like your community. That's like your environment that you're around. And some fell on the good soil. That's a good, authentic community of believers. So the greatest seed, God's word, and the greatest soil cannot grow in the wrong environment. That's what I see in that. If it's the wrong environment, if it's a selfish, hateful, hate-filled, fake community, it's suffocating to the potential that God has for us, right? It hinders the potential that God has for us. That's why God calls us to authentic community. God has so much potential in us that I don't even know if we'll ever see completely. But when you're in the wrong environment, have you ever noticed when you're around certain people that are just, I mean, good hearted people that actually care about you, that will ask things about you, that, that you know that they actually care, that you're drawn to that. Have you ever noticed that? Like you, we feel good about it. We feel good when people care about us and pe- we're supposed to care about one another. We get so busy nowadays in this, in this day and age where it's just so much information overload. People don't take the time to talk to one another. Young adults and teenagers don't take the time to talk to the elderly. And I think there's something there, but we'll, we'll get to that another time. But, but we don't have time for one another. When someone takes the time and cares about what you're going through, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like somebody cares. It pulls you out of that isolation. But when you're around people that are selfish, hateful, hate-filled, hateful, have the wrong motives, the wrong direction, aren't living right. If you notice, if you spend time with those people, you kind of start to become that. I did that when I was in high school. I was like a chameleon. Has anyone ever been that way before? You would, you would act different around different groups of friends. Like sometimes I would even talk different. Like I don't know. I don't even think like my intention was to be that way, but I just kind of was a chameleon. I just adapted to how that group was. And like, you'll act that way to appease them. It's kind of part of um, being, not being yourself that we were talking about earlier that we do crazy stuff, but I did that. And so, so how do we have authentic community? How do we do this? What is the answer about being real and authentic with one another? Well, authentic community, first of all, is not built once, twice, or even three times a week at church. In the text, it said in verse 46, every day, well, I ain't got time for that. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. But then it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Sincere, they were real. It's the first time I noticed that. So they didn't just meet in church in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They met every day. Together every day. You must be injected into other people's lives. You must. 
That's the foundation of authentic community is being injected in their lives. I love that it says that they met in each other's homes and it was like the temple thing almost to me when I read this is just a piece of it, right? Or just a part of it, an important part. Church is an important part. This building is a part of it. This place is a part of it, right? It opens up the opportunity to be able to meet with God, to be able to hear God's word. This is a part of it and it's a big part of it, but it's just a part of it, right? It's just a piece of it. It's just a building, right? We are the church. You are the church. The church is not a building because through the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gave to us and the fellowship with Jesus that we have, we are empowered by that very same power that raised Jesus from the dead to be the church outside of these walls. It's not confined to a building. When the veil was torn and we were given that gift, if we would accept it, if we would surrender to it, we now are the embodiment of the church. You are the church. You are the church to your families. You are the church to your job. You are the church at school. You are the church for your area of influence, whatever that may be. You are the church. Sometimes we think that, well, somebody else will come along, you know. We get an opportunity to speak to somebody and, you know, we let fear. First of all, we can't operate under fear. God's not called us to operate under fear. We have to be a believing, uh, a believing people that, that God is going to say what he wants to say and he's going to give us opportunities to speak for him as long as we allow him to speak through us. So we get so many opportunities and sometimes we do think that, well, somebody else will take care of that. No, you're the church right then. You're the church. Listen, delayed obedience is disobedience. My wife taught me that. Because I remember I don't know anything. She knows everything consequently. But delayed obedience is disobedience. And I have seen how that has worked in my life. I have seen those times where I'm like, I know God has called me to talk to this person. And I'm like, well... Is that really right? And we do, we do this fleece moment, you know, like the word talks about where we're like, God, if you'll just place me in my path again, then I'll really know it's you. But really what I'm doing in that time when I've done this before is just delaying the obedience, which is disobedience. We are the church. We will waste our time on things that don't matter, on doing silly things to try to appease people. That's not what we're here for. That's not what God gave us breath for. That's not what he knit us together in our mother's womb for. He calls us to be the church in your circle of influence for the time that I gave you, which we don't know how long we have in that, right? Like I always say, we live on a breath to breath basis and every breath is a gift from God. And we don't know when our next one is going to be our last. So be the church, be the church. In order to be the church and fulfill God's purpose and potential in you, it doesn't only require authentic community, it also requires authentic faith, right? That's like the foundation, authentic faith. So what is authentic faith to you? Is it an optimistic outlook on life with some sort of spirituality attached to it? Like a holy hoping for the best? 
Is that how you think about faith? Authentic faith is, according to God's word, the confident assurance of things not yet seen. It's not just a crossing of the fingers. It's not a mindless stab in the dark. It's not, well, I hope this goes my way. It's a confident assurance in things not yet seen. If we would lead with an authentic faith, I believe we would see unbelievable change. We would see Holy Spirit movements like in the book of Acts. We would see it happen. We would actually see it. We would perceive it. God, open our eyes. We need to see it. Authentic faith is where it's at. Confident assurance that God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. Not taking out some scripture and just holding on to it and indoctrinating it and basing our theology around it. It's a complete package. The word is a whole package. So it's believing in all of the promises declared in God's word over your life. Authentic faith is a word that speaks about reason careful, thoughtful reason. It's not just randomness. It's not just that holy hope. It's not just thinking that things are probably going to work out all right for me. No, it's confident assurance. And God has spent so much time on this and so much time on you and so much time preparing his bride and so much time spent and so much effort spent, probably effortless to him, but I can't understand it in my little brain, but God has prepared so much and he's done so much that this authentic faith speaks about reason, thoughtful reason, thoughtful reason about what God and all of his promises. Authentic faith is positive assurance expressed in action. I know that God is going to do this. I know that God is going to deliver this. I know that this is going to happen. So I'm going to put feet to my faith and I'm going to live with that assurance, that positive assurance. I'm not going to second guess when things come a certain way. That's why Paul could sit in prison and he could sing of praises of God. And, and, and he would just sing to the Lord while in prison. I'm like, I don't think I could do that. But he had the confident assurance that God is who he is. And I trust him no matter what, even through the pain, there can be purpose. Do you wish to be a more confident Christian, a more obedient Christian, a more authentic Christian, a more courageous and outspoken Christian? Then you need to strengthen your faith, right? That's the foundation. We need to strengthen our faith. We need more faith. Just like that song this morning, God, give me faith. I need it to trust what you say. We need more faith. Your faith is strengthened in direct proportion to the understanding of the object of your faith. So in other words, if you are actually Christian, then the object of your faith is Jesus and all of his promises, all of it. So we must read of Jesus. We must spend time with Jesus because if you expand the knowledge of the object of your faith, faith instinctively follows. 
Faith obediently follows. When you expand the knowledge of the object of your faith, when you know Jesus more, when you spend more time with Jesus, when you read about Jesus, when you apply it to your life, your faith will obediently follow that and become strengthened. And you won't feel empty like you've been feeling. You won't feel lost like you've been feeling. He will strengthen you. He will change you. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. When we approach the throne with that posture of our hearts and say, God, listen, you know I don't have enough faith to be able to endure the things that I need to endure with this difficulty in my family, with, with this situation at work, with, with these kids you've called me over, with these parents that are driving me nuts, with these teachers, with, with this sickness that is looming over me, with this sadness about this loss with God, I can't do it. I need you to strengthen my faith. Listen, we're, we're all going through stuff. We all need our faith strengthened. So we're going to have a response time now where you can approach the throne of God and you can ask for your faith to be strengthened. If you guys would stand with me as the worship team comes or just Lance, I'm sorry. So we can respond in so many different ways, right? And, and we can come and we can just come up here to this piece of wood and we can just kneel down and it's what we've always done. And, and, and then we can leave the building and nothing can change. But if the posture of your heart is right and you would be honest with yourself, if God spoke authentic truth into you today, if you would just be real with God, he will be more real to you, Right? So if you want to approach the throne of God this morning and say, God, I need you. God, I need to strengthen my faith. God, I need authentic faith. I need authentic community. God, if anything, come and, and pray for our church. Pray for this to be authentic community where we can grow, where we can be strengthened, where God can move, where the spirit can just come in and just take over. And we can just come along for the ride. And be obedient and follow him, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice. When you approach the throne with, throne with that being the object of your heart and the posture of your heart, it unlocks so much potential in you that you didn't think you had. Well, I'm not good enough. Well, the answer is Jesus. Well, I'm not strong enough. The answer is Jesus. Well, I don't know what to say. The answer is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're in a spot where you're like, I don't know about this Jesus guy. Why don't you give him a chance? What have you got to lose? So as Lance plays this song, let's just be real honest, church. Listen, if anything, if anything, if you don't feel you need your faith strengthened, if anything, come pray for me. I need strength and faith. God is dealing with me about that a lot. So I believe he's called me to share it. So if anything, come pray for me. Come pray for your church. Let's just be real honest and allow God to just move in us and just give him everything. I got nothing else I can say. Go ahead, Lance.
Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh what a Savior is a
come to me. 